Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hi, this is Ernie Hudson, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned until now. Dr. Bensong risked everything when he used the Quantum Leap Accelerator to travel back in time. Now our team's working to find out why. As he leaps between bodies with no memory of who he is, he still has one hope. That his next leap takes him back to the place and people he calls home. Did you just see that? Did someone just recognize Ben? How? They knew his name. I mean, they literally called him Dr. Ben Song from 2022. I was more concerned with the stop following me if you know what's good for you, Park. No, how is this possible? Maybe they're another time traveler. No. Another leaper. Someone else traveling through time just like Ben. Another leaper? If they're using technology that's similar to ours, then they would see Ben as Ben the exact same way that we do in the imaging chamber. It's the only explanation. Similar technology? This is a -a one-of-a-kind setup that we know of. Okay, is this why Ben leapt? To follow this person? Follow them where? And why? And what is going on? When I was a kid and my parents broke up, I blamed my mom. Probably because I barely saw my dad after that. She was the only one still around to be mad at. You know, I took the job at St. Luke's because I I thought it would make our lives better, but it didn't. John, are you even listening to me? Um, sorry, uh, yes. We're in San Francisco, right? Wait a minute, what year is it? 1989. John, did you hear anything I just said? I don't think I can be married to you They're not gonna play. This game got canceled. We need to go, we need to go. Now. No, no, we need to talk. You can't keep running away. Everything is about to collapse around us. It already has. I'm done, John. And if you're not going to fight for us, please, I- we need to go, okay? We need to go. Everybody, we need to get out of here now. You are listening to the Guanaway Podcast. This is episode 120. What a disaster. <laughs> It looks like Ziggy says you jumped into John Harvey. Yeah, from what I can tell, not the greatest dude. Any idea why I'm here? Hi, Ars, I'm getting a reading. Well, his, his, his wife asked me for a divorce, justifiably, it sounds like. But I can't be here to fix that. Uh, come on. We have to get home. Make sure Jason's okay. Jason? Our son? Madison, where's this kid? Jason Harvey died in the aftermath of the earthquake. Ben, that's what you're here to do. You have to save Jason. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are reviewing season one, episode six. What a disaster! Is that what it is now? Do we have a final title? I think I read it with an exclamation point. Does it have an exclamation mark now or not? So maybe it's what a disaster. I think it was like (laughs) it's a disaster exclamation point, and then it was like an earthquake, and now it's what a disaster. No, no exclamation point. 
This this is the one thing that I don't like about modern TV. Like, I can cope with the whole trend for not having opening theme tunes and stuff like that, but the lack of on-screen titles means that this episode is going to be known by, like, five different things for the next <laughs> 20 years. Episode guides will argue about it. <sighs> yeah, it will also it's... be called Pilot. Yes, exactly. Abandoned it's... Pilot, Reworked yeah, Pilot. True. There's been a few <laughs> titles they've gone through <laughs> and, and ended up on a, an in-joke. <laughs> this has to be what it was like because they had yeah. they had to fit all this together and repiece it uh for people who are uh, i guess just listening to this one haven't listened to the other podcasts uh this was a reshoot and re-cobble together of the original pilot that they shot for the new quantum leap although a bunch of it we have already seen in the the first episode because they did transfer a bunch of the they did, yeah. The original pilot into what became the first episode, and then this is the scrappy offcuts, I guess. Wait, but so when, <laughs> when you say transferred, do you mean just, just dialogue, or did they pull scenes? No, as in, like, the, the original, the the episode one, Ju- uh, July 13, 1985, or whatever, all, m- most all of the project stuff was from the Vancouver shot pilot. Ah. But they redid it. It wasn't like the actual footage. They they shot new footage, but it's the same dialogue, basically. Uh, I think a lot of the, the footage was moved across into... No, because when you look at the, the promo photos, they're all dressed completely different. They had like a, a beige uh, color scheme going on. <laughs> that was quite a beige color scheme. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah um, right. you could also tell from... Uh, Mason's, Mason's outfit is... Uh, yes. Yeah, Mason Alexander Park's hair also, uh, I think, had just been freshly bleached. So I don't think they could reuse anything, even though I, I don't think anything would have been reusable at this point. But uh, But yeah. So, yeah, there's some differences, and you could see in, like, promo photos, too. Like, there are scenes that were not in this episode or the other yeah. pilot. Yeah. So there's definitely a bunch that is lost, but um, in terms of the the scripting, we're jumping ahead a lot now, but in terms of the scripting, the original Vancouver pilot, the, the words, half of them were aired five weeks ago, and half of them have been aired uh, this week. Okay, so when you guys say scrappy so, and what a cobbled together, I, I, I prefer <laughs> I prefer I prefer the term repurposed. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean that's a little bit kinder, right? Here's the thing: it was expensive. <laughs> They're yeah. not exactly. going to throw it away. <laughs> but all the the most expensive parts, I think, we saw in this. Oh, yes. for, yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, included in those very expensive parts was an actor named Everett Anders. He played Jason Harvey, the son, in this episode, and we will also be bringing you an interview with him later in the show. So stay tuned for that after the break. So, guys, what are your first impressions of what a disaster, uh, Allison? Well. Uh, my impressions, I think, are always going to be split down the middle. I think it's always going to be this way. <laughs> I loved the Leap stuff. I thought it was fantastic. I do not understand why this wasn't the pilot, because it was way better than the heist. Uh, the project stuff, like usual, uh, hate it. Get rid of it. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Matt. What a disaster. What a joy. Um... Yeah, so I, I I know I used words like scrappy and cobbled together. Um, I, I I struggled a little bit going into this, having read the pilot script. I was analysing it from the first moment, even more so than the last five episodes. I I was watching this with analytical eyes. So 
I struggled with it a little bit, but trying to distance myself from that, I I really enjoyed this. Um, I thought the 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 project stuff I thought was some of the best stuff they've had. So, oh, I'm looking forward to getting into that, Alison. Um, the leap stuff I enjoyed. I don't think it was much better or worse than the leap stuff in the revised episode one. I still don't really get why the switch. Um, I didn't think it was the strongest leap they've had. Um, but it was it was good. It was fun. I am going to go on record saying this is the best episode of Quantum Leap since Mirror Image. Wow. I absolutely loved everything about this episode, especially the back at the project stuff. So take that, (laughs) Bregler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Leaper X. Leaper X, all the fourth dimensional thinking, all uh, everything. You know what? I think this is why this was not the first episode. Matt was okay and also this is this is why i'm so glad i did not read that pilot script um when it came out because i didn't have any kind of expectations going in and this episode blew me away on every level so um how much of the project stuff that we saw in this episode matt did they repurpose from that original pilot script nothing at all so the the project stuff here was all new the project stuff in what we saw as episode one yeah alison was quite right it was refilmed but the script was pretty much as it was so yeah all the stuff building up to the janice reveal um was in the pilot script um what was new in the back of the project stuff um in what aired as episode one was the engagement party at the beginning um and there was, we now know there was a Scott Bakula cameo uh, or a Sam Beckett cameo uh, in the pilot script that got cut. But other than that, the back at the project stuff was all basically what we saw five weeks ago. The back at the project yeah. stuff today was new. The um the thing that I thought was was kind of a loss, uh, and honestly, I, I want to say this: I think like the reshoots were pretty damn seamless. I mm. was I was surprised at yeah. uh, how well this worked. There was stuff I remembered because I did read the script, but it was a while ago, so there were parts I forgot. There were parts I remembered, but other than like maybe one or two lines, I, I feel like it fit really well into where the storyline is now. Um, I could tell where they were adding stuff, and it it felt like it was still part of that story. Um. I do feel like uh, they lost a, a little bit with uh, – this is what I've been talking about uh, pretty much every week regarding the project stuff. Uh, I just would like them to focus on the leap sometimes at the project. And uh, they had a lot of stuff in the the script about uh, Ian like looking stuff up about the leap. Like uh, they're looking at um, social media posts yes. and like kind of the process of how they're they're figuring out what uh, uh what the characters are doing um i feel like that that's my biggest problem and we'll get into this when we get more into the project stuff but uh my biggest problem is really is just like it, it's just too disconnected like i would have liked to, to focus more on what they're doing um with the leap it's it, honestly it's the um I felt like it was the space episode again in terms of how jarring jumping around was and how disruptive it was to the flow of what was going on. It it really irritated me. I think some of that does come down to the fact that this is... I I know we've talked, um, particularly with those first couple of episodes, about them being two different shows vying for attention. This one literally was because this was... It was. 
the 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 leap stuff was almost entirely from the Vancouver pilot, and then the project stuff was all new. Um, it, there were two director credits, which is is a first. Um, for that reason, it was it was jointly directed. I also just want to finish um, answering Chris's question because the back of the project stuff, yeah, it was it fairly a fairly clear split in the way that was moved. The the leap stuff, um, yeah, there was a there was a chunk of exposition at the start that was taken out for obvious reasons because Ben understands all this stuff now but a lot of the script for that was just lifted and dropped into Philadelphia in 1985 most of the the words that Addison said to explain the background um they filmed those exact same words in Vancouver uh in the San Francisco earthquake stuff and um yeah just just skipped it and I guess filled in time with more back at the project stuff. Um, I, th- I, like, I feel like there was, hmm. there was more. There was more time spent in 2022 um, as a result of stuff being skipped. I find that baffling, and I honestly, again, having not read that script, I thought that we were seeing some back at the project stuff that was pretty obtuse. Like you had to really um, keep up with it, and I thought that that was stuff that was lifted from the first episode. Uh, the original. I thought that was featured in the original pilot, and I thought that that's why they thought it would be too inaccessible to first-time viewers because they're dealing with a lot of sort of, um, I guess, ostensibly complicated time travel ideas, and that's the part that I thought that scared the network executives away. So what, I'm not what, really what sure the it, difference. What, what, what part, part of, of it were they not talking about Leaperex and all this other stuff? Why would that be in the pilot? Well, I see. I don't know what was supposed to be in the pilot. That's why yeah, I but, say. I'd, but I'm saying, like, all of the scenes have to do with this new development. So I'm not sure what they could have lifted. I don't. From. Yeah. I I don't know how they were going to lay out the show to begin with. I thought that since Sam had a cameo or something in the original <laughs> pilot, that maybe Sleeper they X. were going to. <laughs> Maybe they were going to introduce um, other leapers right away. Again, I'm coming at this from and, and complete ignorance. So, I mean, if I'm asking questions that seem stupid, it's because I have no freaking clue what no, they yeah. were going I, to, it's, it's, no, I to get do. It. Yes, but it's, yeah. I get it, but it would be very confusing if they jumped. Yeah, I, I would agree if they had jumped in and said, "Let's leap Rex doing and all that." That would feel like you're jumping into the middle of a show. But that's <laughs> because they were addressing the the storyline. <laughs> But yeah, no, the, uh, the project stuff, and that's what's been confusing those of us that have read the script. That's what's been confusing us all along. That the the back at the project stuff, um, for episode one was was basically the same script. I think it was just because the network things were a bunch of dum dums, and they wanted a <laughs> dumb action show, and they're like, "Give us a stupid heist," and that's what they did, you know. And and that's the thing that kills me too is there was action in this. This was was an action script and this was so much more dynamic because they had a lot of time and money that they didn't have on the heist plot. The heist felt very backlotty because they had to film it very quickly on a on a lot that they already had available. The stuff in Vancouver, they have all of these like earthquake effects going on, a lot of uh, crane shots and and dynamic stuff going on. That's like it's really cool. And and that does actually like look a little different than what we've been seeing because it it was meant for the pilot. So it was a little more expensive, a little more showy. Um, there was great stuff in this that I I just uh, yeah, I, I don't understand the network's decision at all. I feel like the the heist really hurt viewership um because it it wasn't a good pilot i'm sorry it wasn't and like i i think a lot of people 
were turned off by it because honestly it was confusing and kind of boring and i don't think this one was yeah i felt like nothing from ben in the heist plot in this episode, I felt so much from him. Like, there were so many great moments for Raymond Lee, and I really just, I felt Ben's character. Like, it was, it just had a lot of um, beautiful moments in it. Yeah, yeah. I think that there was such a, a, a seamless balance of character and plot in this one, where where my biggest complaints, and I think much of our, um, our, you know, collective complaining has been about the fact that it's just plot, 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 plot. The show doesn't have a chance to breathe. They don't really linger with the characters. They don't explore the characters' reactions to things. And this one, man, we had some really world-class stuff from Raymond Lee. And yeah. just, we were able to just like focus on, on, on Ben and his background and what motivates him and what hurts him. And I feel like I know this character so much better now in episode six than I have throughout the entire series. So uh, it was such a wonderful, I think, dynamic that they that they created because I wasn't bored at any point. I wasn't like, oh, let's get through this action scene or, oh, let's get yeah. through this exposition. It was everything seemed to flow very well. The one thing that I'll say in defense of the the shift to to it being later in the season, particularly to do with Ben's character, is I know when when I was reading the pilot script, one of the bits that just made me a little reluctant to enjoy it was okay, Ben Ben's mother died when he was young. Uh, he misses her and he tries to make a phone call to her, and then yeah, eventually yeah. is able to make a phone call and cries. It seemed a little too on the nose. Now we're six episodes in, they can get away with that. But seeing that in the pilot, I did think, oh, is this going to be a greatest hits show? Um, yeah. So mm. I'm, I'm glad that plot line got held back because they can get away with that now. And that, that's fine. The, the comparisons to Sam, yeah, whatever. But in episode one, it was too early for that. Yeah, there were some things in the script I was glad they got rid of, to be honest. Um, and I feel like the way they did the, the phone number scene uh, in this version felt a little less just trying to copy Sam remembering his last name or calling his dad. Like, it's evocative of it, but the way that it was done uh, felt like it was different enough. Um, and they also had some stuff in the dialogue at the project that they they changed um, uh, when they eventually did it in the heist, where they're just doing a lot more, like, pop culture references and stuff. That's just, like, they threw some in here, too. But sometimes you can get, like, a little annoying like they're like he Dennis Nedry Dennis, the program yes. you know I like uh, you in, a, in Jurassic Park and it's like ugh can we not win this? that that was like that was one of Jen's first lines I think that that was how we got introduced to her oh by, yeah it's still better Jurassic than Security Park of reference. the Party but I don't know mm -hmm. Jen got the short shrift in, in either of these but uh yeah, yeah. I, I I mean I do think that the stuff that they added to this uh it was great because the characters know each other more now. So yeah. the fact that we learned these things about Ben and Addison was also learning these things about Ben, they already know each other again at this point. Like he knows her at this point. And so it's it's really them like relearning each other uh, at a more advanced point in the story than it would have been in the pilot. Yeah. And I'm happy that they held it back, too, because I have watched this episode three times before we recorded. I cried every time. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know <laughs> oh, that... Man. Yeah, I don't know that I would have felt for Ben the way I did yeah. in this episode had this been episode one, because I don't know who this person is at all. 
right? Yeah. But I'm well, sort of familiar I, with I, the world. I'm familiar with the characters. This one really just got me, man. Yes. Yeah, no, I when this was going on, when he was talking about his mom, I was like, my boy! My boy, Ben! <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, I really felt for him, and it was great. And uh, I do think it was great adding it at this point in the story. But I do think the pilot needed to to show us more of who Ben is to make us care a little more. Because for the first couple episodes, we we didn't know anything about him. He was so passive, not a pacifist, but passive. You know, he just uh, he <laughs> just didn't really. Yeah, he was kind of a blank slate, and they didn't really give us very much. Uh, and I, I wish that they had done more of that early on. Uh, but I think that placing it where it is in the story now. They added stuff to it that made sense to be like, okay, if he's revealing this stuff and then Addison's finding this out now, um, she's allowed to say things like, hey, I, I really didn't know this about you. Uh, whereas before it's like, well, he doesn't know anything about her anyway. So what does this information mean anything? You know, like so. So they were able to to build on that. And uh, uh, yeah, it didn't feel very much like it was it was the beginning it felt like it was the stage it was supposed to be at yeah the the only one line even not having read the script that that stuck out to me as okay this is going to be a cut and paste was when they had the obviously reshot scene of ben saying how can i think of anything else besides this this other leaper and she's saying you can't you can't focus on that we'll take care of that back at the project you pay attention to this leap so that's why he doesn't talk about it at all during, you know, the majority of the leap stuff. <laughs> but, you know, once once she sort of telegraphed that, I was waiting for it to be awkward or weird or whatever. But it, it wasn't like I think yeah. they did a great job of, of meshing these two things together. I think that they did sprinkle in things uh, that made it seem like he was thinking about what was going on uh, before in the previous leap while this was going on. So they I believe the the beginning scene when he leaps into the the bar is reshot and um yeah. he's looking around kind of paranoid when he gets in there as if he thinks this other leaper is going to be there. Yeah. And I thought that was like a great detail and even when he's like talking to Addison uh in uh whatever that tunnel was, uh he's like um he says you're the only person I trust right now. And there's a lot of meaning to that, but I think part yeah. of that is that, like, anyone could be this guy, could be the enemy at this point. Hmm. I, that scene, wow, when he said that to her, God, it's just like, His hey, start the waterworks, cracks get the tissues. Like, you're the only one I trust right now. Ah! <laughs> oh, it was so good. And I liked you. I liked Addison in that scene. Uh, she was really allowed to be angry. I think for the first time about the stuff that Ben's done, because she's been very forgiving or very like maybe defensive of him. You know, when other people are saying like, yeah, Ben might not be a good guy. He did this thing. And she's like, you know, no, he, he had a reason. Uh, we're going to find out the reason before I get mad at him about this. But when he's uh, he's kind of giving her some attitude because, you know, he's he's uh, thinking about his mom. He's very angry about, uh, you know, what happened. And uh and when he's walking away, she's like, you don't get to do that. You don't get to hide things from me anymore. And I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like now um, these characters are really connecting and I feel like there's an actual relationship that we're seeing on screen instead of being told that there's a relationship. Yeah. Much well, like the yeah. pilot. The pilot just basically showed us, uh, you know, the fact that they were getting engaged. But I never felt any real connection, I guess, until – the Western episode, and um, now now it's pretty much cemented for me. Yeah, I really liked the scene with uh, Addison and Jen. Um, 
when Addison says that Ben is different now, that he's like he's more vulnerable and open and he's becoming a little more like what she thought would happen later on down in the relationship. So she's like falling more in love with him now. It's interesting you mentioned that, though, Chris, because that was one of the main things that I went into this knowing and looking out for, because I know in the original pilot script, um, we didn't know that Ben and Addison were a couple, and that was the the big twist reveal at the end because they, they didn't have the um, uh, the engagement party scene at the beginning. So I definitely felt in this episode that they quite naturally pulled back on that a lot during the, the leap, that for the last couple of weeks they've really been building up this relationship element and it had to go back to square one because most of the material of those two together... Um, they they don't or Ben doesn't remember that he's engaged to Addison, and I I did feel that showed a bit unavoidable, but that's that I thought was one of the things that really stuck out a little bit for it being shifted back. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, for me it didn't seem that way at all, and probably because I was so invested in the rest of the story, and I mean the whole story, not just focusing on that one aspect. I was kind of swept up by the entire episode. So I and also not having again the frame of reference of what did they do originally, it seemed just fine here to me. Hmm. Okay, good. I mean, I I hesitate to turn this into a show about what was in the script versus what was on yeah. screen. But were there any other sort of uh, with the leap portion of it, any other glaring differences that really changed the tone, changed the flavor of where they were going originally? Yeah, nothing that I spotted. No, I think there were some scenes that were basically the same scenes from the script, but they reshot them because it would make less sense to do them the way that they did. Like, I think when um, Ben's talking to Addison about uh, what he's there for, like, I can't be there to save their marriage. Like, I think that was a, a re-shifted yes. version yeah. of that scene. Um so yeah, anytime they're going into different types of areas, like they're in a in another building or they're not <laughs> basically in the Vancouver street. Yeah. Uh, even then there was one in the street that they, they just went to another alley probably in their back lot to, to film yeah. it. But I think they did a pretty good they job making job. it. Yeah. Like in, unless I had known what was in the script and obviously that it was a pilot, I wouldn't have known that that was a reshoot. And I think maybe... If you're looking, you can notice subtle differences with Raymond Lee's hair a little yeah. bit, but that's about it. Yeah, I kind of noticed that his hair was higher in some scenes than in others. Mm. Yeah. Before we move on from the, the yeah script versus um, how it came to air, the, the, the one thing that really stuck out to me was right at the end when they're at the hospital and... Um, Ben's all like, yeah, yeah, we, I, I did all this, and uh, Addison's like, yeah, with with a bit of help, um, like it's all kind of, yeah, you got your wacky hologram friend with you helping you along. It really set uh, the tone of the partnership for the series in a way that only an episode one can do. Um, it that line just sounded so incongruous to me. Yeah, you you know what I really like? There were a couple of moments uh, in the episode where Ben is asking Addison if everything's going to work out without asking her, you know, like talking to some of the other characters, like, hey, it's going to be okay. And I just liked Caitlin Bassett's acting there. I really liked her just kind of smiling and nodding and very moved 
Mm. You know, to say like, yeah, everything is going to be okay. You did it without doing a, you did it, Sam. You know? (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I thought that was nice. Nice subtlety. Um, I feel like we're getting to know Addison a little better. Addison is a a character that I I feel like is taking longer to kind of get her vibe because she's very serious. But she's not serious, but she is serious. You know, she's more of a straight-laced kind of character. But at the same time, I think, like, um, we're getting to know uh both of them and uh they're loosening up a little bit um i liked uh addison talking a little bit about her parents but kind of saying like that's another episode (laughs) maybe yeah (laughs) we'll talk about that later but there's a history here i like that she's like yeah you never talked about your mom like she's learning things that she genuinely didn't know before so yeah that was kind of interesting i like too uh raymond lee a lot of these deliveries, uh, and I think they were in the reshoots, felt more like he was very comfortable in the role and being more himself. Like, I just really yeah. liked the delivery of the lines. You know, like, um, when uh, he was asking about, like, what the the project knew about uh, this new Leaper or something like that, and then Addison's like, nah, we got nothing. He's like, cool. <laughs> 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 I, just, I just liked that. Like, you really got to feel for his personality. He's kind of a goof. Yeah. Well, and again, we've we've had so little sort of reaction from him. I hope that this is the moment where we see the char- characters more settle into the show and settle into themselves rather than every episode sort of being a proof of concept. Because yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that with this one, they proved again that um, this cast is capable of pulling off really great quantum leap. Um, but uh as as long as they have the chance to do it, as long as the script allows them to. So, yeah, well, it's not just the script too, but I I do think that they are able to write more for the actors and play to their strengths as they go further into the series. And I feel like the actors also get more comfortable and they figure out who this character is and what parts of themselves they want to bring to it. Well put. Well, I know there's a part that you don't want us to uh, go to, uh, Allison, but mm-hmm. I have, we have to talk at the back of the project stuff because I absolutely adored every single second. Leaper X. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Leaper yeah, X. Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, this here's guy. The, here's, the, here's the thing. I, I just want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to preface some things here. Okay. I feel like this honestly was. Um, some of the best project stuff in that um, I feel like they are getting a better feel for these characters as well. Um, There was some interplay between them um, that was pretty good. I feel like there were moments that were even charming. It could be the greatest stuff in the world, but I do have some problems with it. But the thing is, the way that it is pieced together irritates me endlessly. (laughs) Uh, we know. And it's, yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> really? sorry about it forever. But like, um, you know, Albie was talking about this in one of the after shows. And Albie's always like, I love it. But you know what he mentioned? Um, that when he was watching the, the Atlantis, the space episode, um, he liked the project stuff and he liked the stuff uh, in space, but he felt himself resenting the project stuff because they kept cutting away from yeah. all of the stuff that's going on in space. And that's what I was feeling in this episode and what I'm feeling through a lot of these episodes outside of the ones that use very little project. So it's it's just something I uh, will deal with. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing is, um, you know, they had a bit... Uh, it, it, when the leap is so time... When, when there's 
tension happening in the leap, when there is something action going on, you want to know immediately what's going to happen with this action. Uh, but they keep screeching it to a halt to go back to the project. So they have a part in the leap where Ben and Naomi are, um, they, they're walking and they're, they're talking about character stuff. And then they hear this car wreck and there are people screaming for help. So they start running toward this. They're like, oh, we got to help these people immediately. And then eep, we are interrupted by four minutes of a suburban neighborhood, CSI time travel, sitting at a table talking. <laughs> and then the action music kicks back in as if they are still running down that alley, still trying to get to that car the entire four minutes. And then we get to see what happens. And it's just, I'm like, I just want to see what's happening on the leap. And then... No, it's see, so irritating to me. As I'm, I'm just going to say, in my experience as a lifelong reader, especially a big fat fantasy, when you're following multiple characters over multiple arcs over multiple books, that's the technique that they use. They'll end on a little bit of a of a high note with one character, then you'll get six chapters of mm -hmm. another character or three other characters until you get back to that first character. I'm used to that kind of storytelling, and I kind of love it. So that's that that's a bias yeah, that, a book, that I bring have... to it. In a book, you kind of have some time to be leisurely. Well, right? listen, Allison, I, this is what I enjoy. And this did not stand out to me as something that disrupted from the story. I liked all of the elements. I liked the way that they were placed. And I mean, especially the back of the project stuff, because it really got into some really, like, really neat back to the future two kind of territory, like, like real time travel, like nitty gritty. Mm. And I just, I, I felt like if Matt were here, I wonder how he'd be reacting. So I really want to get your take <laughs> on, on the back of the project stuff, especially all the time travel stuff. Yeah, I, I just oh yeah, I loved all that um all that stuff. Um, Alison, I yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I I do still feel that there is there is a clash between two very interesting plot lines. But if we're just gonna focus on the back of the project stuff for now, yeah, I think this is the the best it's been yet. Um, the the fact that they've they've managed to really lean into the time travel stuff. Um to the point where we, we've basically now seen the beginnings of a character and we've seen where he's going to end up. And now the story is how does he get from B to A, I guess, which it, there's, there's numerous techniques of doing that in drama, but they've used a very time travelly sort of way of doing it. And it's fascinating. I cannot wait to see uh, what Martinez's story turns out to be. Um, more so than like when Janice showed up, like, okay, all right, she's a bad guy and she's related to Al. Okay, I'm interested in seeing what happens there. Martinez, I'm immediately uh, engaged with that. And part of that is because of this time travel element uh, that's going along with it. Yeah, I think someone who um, was so menacing or seemingly menacing in the last episode to in this episode be so to me immediately likable um, yeah. straightforward straight shooter um, really seems to be dedicated to doing the right thing yeah how do we wind up there and just the fact that um, we we had discussed the idea of there being a competing project another government facility that was doing incursions that you know we, and we were all oh, i hope they don't do that oh i hope the military we, we is still not involved. don't know if that's going to be uh, but, what that's going to be 
But I love yeah. the idea. I love the idea that it's not an alternate one. It's it's the project from the future, and even, so yeah. it's the project sort of fighting itself. Even if it does turn out, that to me was the greatest wrinkle. Jen thinking fourth dimensionally like that. To quote Doc yes. Brown. I thought yeah. it was just. I thought it was just like that is so freaking cool. Like my time travel geek on. Hello, yeah. you know, because yeah. I hadn't. I hadn't considered that, and I'm a time travel writer. I consider everything. I it never even occurred to me and i was i was pleasantly surprised yes i mean (laughs) i don't know guys the you know this is a team that's worked on a time travel project for how many years and they can't seem to wrap their mind around non-linear time it takes them forever to discuss with jen the concept of maybe something happening in the future and they're like wait 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 and this confuses me because well, NBC is like they're just a bunch of dum dums, and they need everything explained to them, and so they spend a lot of time explaining things to each other that they already know or that they should know, and yeah, it goes that's, on forever. That's any show, any movie. I mean, because people yeah, right. don't get we the high concept, see, friend. <laughs> At least Jen didn't have to get the diorama out to explain the time travel stuff. That... <laughs> no, she just had to explain to Magic who can they can see and why, even though he already knows it. Cool. And to me, that was that was super spoon feedy for the audience. But I don't think it was any more spoon feedy than the original Quantum Leap could sometimes be. Yeah. I think that that's because they really understand that they're dealing with a difficult concept, and it's like you get it, you get it yet? Okay, well here's this other thing. Do you get it? And I still found those scenes enjoyable. I knew exactly why they were there. But I found them enjoyable because, again, they were just talking about the concepts of time travel. They were talking about how the imaging chamber worked. They, they, they answered a question that we had last week. Who does Addison see in the imaging chamber? Apparently, yes. everybody sees Ben as Ben. In the because, of, because the imaging chamber makes him appear as himself? Like, what is that about? Because quantum technology or something? <laughs> yeah, but why, why not? The imaging chamber is projecting like a holodeck type image. It can make it look like whatever it wants. It can turn them all into like blue James Cameron characters if it wants to. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it makes as much sense as anything on the original show. It's nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> so it make, makes more sense than Aura's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. Nothing makes any sense. I don't understand it. What are they seeing if it's not? I don't. You know what? I'm not going to get to the mind versus body thing. It's just going to be more confusing. I think we've it's mind and body in this now. So, I But they I haven't know. said that on the show. All right. Yeah. Let's just put a pin in that. They haven't said it on the show. <laughs> so until they say it on the show, we don't know. I uh, yeah. Why do when they're discussing different possibilities of who Leaper X could be and uh they're like what if some foreign government is doing something or other with uh, time travel staff. And then Addison's like, oh, well, for what it's worth, he had an American accent. As if that eliminates it. Also, he has an accent that yeah. could be not American. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. This, like, logic goes nowhere. Yeah. He's, he's not even... He wasn't born in America. We we established that. They, they came in when yeah. he was nine. So, yeah. <laughs> That that was a dumb line. There's, there's there's some dumb lines. Didn't stop me from loving it. Yeah, and it was also um, I think that uh, they were trying to explore even obliquely the immigrant experience for both Martinez and uh, more directly for Ben uh, as 
establishing both of them having a similar backstory that way. I think Martinez says that he came to the country when he was around nine too, right? He was, yeah, uh, they were yeah, both nine. I noticed that. That was the one thing. Um, I know what they're doing with the Martinez and Ben parallels that they're doing there. They're setting stuff up. Um, I feel like that was about the only interesting thing <laughs> while they were talking to Martinez. I know you guys liked him. I didn't dislike him, I guess. I just kind of wish I knew less. Um, I, I felt like I was really intrigued about who he was uh, at the end of the last uh, episode. And then they got to him, and it's so anticlimactic. They just opened the door. They're in a s- stupid suburban white bread neighborhood. And then like they talked to him at a table for a while. And I just felt like uh, any intrigue was gone after that. that uh, I guess I'll, it was the opposite for you guys, but yeah, for me, com- like I didn't care. Completely, I was expecting them to track him down and find a, another Janice. Oh, he's got an underground That's, lair. Blah yes. blah blah. Whatever. No, they exactly. don't have to do that. But I, but I just feel like what they did wasn't that interesting either. Yeah, just the the fact that he he opened the door and there he was, just this nice little guy. That was the the jaw drop moment for me. And that just carried on playing out throughout the scene as he talked and as more of his just nice guy mentality came out. Um, that, yeah, that that to me was the twist, the wrinkle, the intrigue. Um, so, yeah, I was pleased with that. I, I agree with you, Matt. It was refreshing because it wasn't what you might be expecting. And I, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. So I, I I thought that that was was a really great twist, um, and it gives me sort of hope to see okay how does this evolve? How does it change? What happens? Like what? And there there was a line that Ian says to Jen, um, "What if we just caused this? What if magic going yes. to see him showing up on his doorstep set in motion whatever makes him leap? You know and." Uh, that's wow. Maybe or is it a self fulfilling prophecy? It's it's it's. It's so cool. I mean, it just again that that time travel goodness. That's yeah. I didn't expect them to go there with this series. I expected them to just keep the time travel stuff vague and in the background and not really play with some of the more esoteric ideas that you can get into when it comes to telling a time travel story. But they seem to be leaning into that in the back at the project stuff. And if that is what constitutes uh, the majority of the back at the project stuff going forward with the chase with Janice and and sort of this all of this coming to light and how it all works and how it all fits together i adore that i love that kind of mm. stuff so i mean you can have too much of it i mean doctor who spent i think two seasons doing nothing but that yeah yeah, where, yeah. you know yeah everything had to tie together like a giant puzzle at the end you know but um still it, it's it's quantum leap written for me and that's what I like about it. It's not written for the masses, even though much of it is appealing to a mass audience. This is all the geeky, geeky stuff. A bit of a... <laughs> Allison? Yeah? I love Jen. She's my favorite character. Jen, Jen is so good at last. Oh, I've been waiting for some good material for Jen. This, this is the first week I've liked her. I think maybe there's just something appealing about Nan Rissalee. Like I like her screen presence. So the fact that um, she and Magic seem to be a little bit more at ease with each other in, in this one, um, and they seem to be friends in this one. So maybe they're finding their groove as well. 
And to clarify my point, I think, yeah, I, I've liked Nanrissa from the start and she does have good presence, but I, I just felt the writers didn't know what to do with her and she was getting some very wooden lines. Um, and, you know, even to the point a week or two back where she was talking about her history as a cyber hacker, it just it wasn't dealt with very well. And this was there was a lot of fun here, particularly with the stuff with Ian. Um, it was nice. I like when uh, Magic and Jen high-five. I like that Magic's got a bonsai tree. I did think Ernie <laughs> Hudson was very charming. I liked when they, they found Martinez in the database, and then uh, and then they're like, how'd you do that? And then he goes, Magic. And he has a little <laughs> smile. <laughs> that was pretty good. I didn't really get the tonal shift here. So Magic talks a big game before they're going to talk to Martinez. He's like, someone's going to tell me what the hell is going on today. And then when he gets there, he sir goofs a lot. Like He's like, hey, we're in his sunglasses. And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to tell him. And then like, what do they find out? He's just some guy. I think he yeah. didn't find out anything. You talked to big game magic. And then you're just like, all right, thank you, sir. And then they leave. I guess I, I agree. I'm not making up excuses here. But I guess magic was just as shocked as the rest of us. Like... Oh, okay. I, I guess he doesn't know anything. And yeah, he does back down very quickly. Well, he does mention that they're going to keep him under uh, surveillance. Yeah, but- so I guess, yeah, it could be 10 years before they that, that yields anything. It's probably going to be just an episode, though, we hope, you know. So for me, like like I said, like like that stuff, they had good character beats with the project stuff too, and um, the good character beats w- with with the Ben stuff. We had discussed this before about Ben calling his mom. Aside from that scene where he and Addison are having that heart to heart discussion, and Ben tells about how he hated being in New York, and how um, his you know his his last words with his mother were 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 a fight, were an argument. The scene where he calls her, I mean, it just, it just tore me down. It just, it just broke me apart. That had all the earmarks to me, like both of those things as sort of cheap narrative tricks in the sense that, I mean, I did the same thing in foreknowledge in certain degrees where, you know, the characters have a big argument and then one of them's dead. And it's just like, okay, is that hack? If it's hack or not, I think like Raymond Lee sold the crap out of it. So I don't know if, if – did that strike either of you as, as sort of cliché? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I, I didn't come off cliché to me. I mean, it's a story that you've seen done in other stuff, sort of, but I feel like they made it their own. I was interested in seeing what Ben's life was like before leaping, uh, learning some more about him. I also noticed, too, um, the music that plays – Whenever he remembers his mom, is this the start of like the Ben theme? Is this going to be the Ben theme? Oh, yeah, I didn't notice. Is there a Ben theme? I There's mean, definitely hope- like a certain music cue that they play um, that felt evocative, not in sound, but of the idea of um, they had Sam's theme that they would play throughout uh, yeah. the Leap Home yeah. uh, theme that they w- they called it uh, in the original show. And I feel like this is kind of Ben's theme. And I love when a character has a theme. Ooh. I hope they bring that back. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded good. You know, I get on uh, the case about the scoring. I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. I, I The funny thing is I don't really know about character themes, but I love two character themes and they're both Scott Bakula's themes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they have that that um that music they play in Star Wars, right? The Luke theme. Yeah, but I don't care about that. Like, I just yeah, I like the Orchard you know, theme and I like saying, the Sam yeah. theme. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, but it's it's nice when a character has a theme, like a real subtle theme. You know, you don't want like them coming in and like, oh, that's yeah. their theme, you know, like <laughs> the Bulk and Skull theme, you know, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, leitmotif is very effective and uh, yeah. it's been around forever. And I love it when it's when when it's used effectively. But um you know, I, I now I'm so looking forward. I'm going to go back and uh, watch the episode again, and I'm going to drop the Ben theme in here. Two one two one seven seven twenty three fifty. Thank you. Yeah, and we'll 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 try to keep an ear out for it as as we go forward, and that's a nice thing because I mean, if the show starts establishing its own musical identity as well, I feel yeah, I feel like like you've been so right about the scoring, Allison. Um, Velton came in with uh, I guess it wasn't even Velton though for the first one, was it? It was no, it was it, well, it was Velton Ray Bunch and Mike Post. They right, were both Post. doing scoring for it, and eventually it just became uh, Velton Ray Bunch. And uh, yeah, he uh, immediately had some very distinct scores for the show. And I mean, there are hits and misses with anything. Like there are certain tracks that weren't that great, but you know, he had like a, a very distinct feel to episodes. And uh, music can really help bring up a project that may be failing in other ways. Uh, like the movie Hellraiser was uh, very cheap. Um, they didn't have a lot of money, so it was basically a haunted house movie. But they knew to put money into the scoring to make a really great score, and it was so memorable. It really helped carry some parts of that movie and so i think like that would have helped uh the pilot of this show that they eventually went with some of the other the earlier episodes even though they weren't great if maybe you know they, they helped with the emotion of the scene or the flavor of the leap you know they felt kind of bland in some parts i feel like they're getting a lot better at that it's feeling more like its own identity like especially like at the very end of this episode they they leap out they got this big epic score and then they get some kind of csi track and then you go into the the leap out to halloween and you hear this creepy halloween music like it was, it was great yeah yeah. Mm. And I have to say that um, upon reflection, I think I might have been a little bit too hard on the Salvation or Bust episode last week. Um, I, I've enjoyed it more each time I've seen it. And uh, I find that that's that's very true with me. Uh, we, we discussed this in the first show about how I process watching properties I love. I have to settle into seeing new stuff and um, then I start to really feel for it and to jive with it. And uh, the Salvation of Bust, I, I bring that up because not only do I think I was a little bit harsh on it last week, but the scoring in that was terrific. When I was putting together the the mashup in the beginning, there were so many musical cues that I kept hearing over and over and over again. And it was both the Western stuff and the back at the project stuff. There were some, there were some real good, subtle, tense moments of music back at the project that I thought were very effective for setting the scene there. And then the Western stuff was just beautiful. And then I 
was online on our Instagram account and somebody had posted, I guess, um, whoever the, the composer was yeah, doing the sessions. Yeah, the composer name. Yeah, they were, but they were doing the sessions with the musicians and they got them in to play, you know, like the, the right kind of fiddle that you would play yeah. in, in, in oh, those wow. times and the different kinds of uh, guitars and things like that. Like, so it was like, not only were they trying to get a Western flair, they were using period appropriate instruments to do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. what I think the, the difference between that, by the way, the, the composer for the series is Daniel James Chan. Um, yeah. And he brought in some people to, uh, to do the fiddle, guitars, bass, uh, or bass. He, uh, posted that on, um, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, he, uh, you know what I think was, was different about Salvation or Bust and maybe that marked a turning point. They couldn't depend on needle drops to try and evoke the period. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because you don't have cowboy recordings to to use, you know, so they um they really help sell the feel of the leap, and I feel like it, it should be the needle drops with the scoring in tandem, um, and not just you know here's an eighty song, it's the eighties. Yeah, and they really had a a good way of incorporating both in the original series. I think because yeah. the scoring was as bold in its own way as the more memorable pop tracks that they would drop in here and there. Yeah. So yeah. they even though it seems like they should be competing with each other, they actually complemented one another. So yeah, I mean, so we have some some I I don't think it was as memorable scoring here or maybe I'll get more into it as I do the mashup and like I hear it over and over again, but we only had one needle drop. In this one. Yeah. And it was a Depeche Mode song, as far as I know, right? Um, I'm not a fan of Depeche Mode, but it sure sounded like them. Yeah, I couldn't place the song, but it did sound like Depeche Mode. Although, what was there? You mean about halfway through when um, they're walking through the the streets? Yeah, they play it over uh, stock footage of the earthquake. Yeah. Right, there's also yeah. One of, there's something at the start, though, as he leaps in that sounded like it could be a needle drop. It, but it, there, again, there was wasn't, probably wasn't some music playing in the bar. Yeah, when they leap in. Well, I know because yeah. they had the football game on too, so there might have been, or the baseball game rather. They had the baseball game on, they so they probably had yeah. both. Though yeah. I imagine you'd have music and the TV going. Now, see, I was watching that scene because I thought that that was uh, just pulled right out of the original pilot. You guys tell me that was a reshoot. I think it was. It felt it felt like they were playing it differently than they would in the pilot. Yeah. The script was very similar, um, but yeah, there was definitely Raymond would have been much more disoriented and confused, and also the um, the they they shot in a real bar um, in the pilot, and I don't know that that looked to me like a set. Yeah, and it was indoors, so it was easy to reshoot versus the you know some, the Vancouver earthquake stuff. Uh, yeah, this was another one. Um, you can place it in time because the the earthquake was historic, so obviously the, it's a specific time and place. Um, still doesn't feel that 80s to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, like, um, Jewel State's hair is styled like every other woman you see on TV with the little waves and stuff. This is not how people would be wearing this in 1989. So I still think, like, they're they're not really doing great on um 
establishing the period around that time, which is very weird to me because 80s period piece stuff or early 90s, like that period is really in right now. Uh, after Stranger Things, there was like this big boom of things like just setting things period there um, and uh, doing an excellent job at it. And I feel like the, this one for a time travel show, they've been kind of missing the mark on that. But this episode, it didn't bother me as much because there was a lot of stuff, like cool stuff going on. Like it was a really interesting leap. Yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit more about the leap because we had some huge action set pieces that yeah, you could tell got, like wow. CG so flying, expensive. You got, smoke, you got people getting hit by cars. <laughs> <laughs> You got climbing off the top of buildings. Oh my god! Buildings collapsing, cats and dogs living together. If the network <laughs> wanted action, why did they had it? They had it. This was heart pounding, you know. Like, and they had a lot of really cool set pieces. You could feel like this was more expensive. Yeah, I, I honestly am now just baffled at the choice to not make this the pilot. Uh, aside from one or two things that maybe would have been too early for uh, from a character standpoint this is far superior far superior and you could just see the money on screen yeah yeah it, it was really dynamic and the story had a lot of great character beats tied into the leap story which is what you want you want it to have like some personal meaning for the characters. It doesn't always have to be like a very special episode, but especially <laughs> for the pilot, this helps establish, you know, who Ben is. So, uh, I mean, I, I still think it worked great as is here. Like, I still think like as the sixth episode, it still worked. Uh, I just think that the choice to switch this out for the heist makes no sense to me. One thing that they switched out because they had to because of, I guess, stuff that was previously shot was the hand link. So we got another mm. new hand link. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I was waiting for the third hand link because Raven uh, told us that there's yeah. one episode with three yeah. hand links. I said, it's got to be this one, right? Well, but, yeah. you know what? It might have been this episode still because there's a, a promo photo from a cutscene that was originally in the pilot where they have the stand in hand link. So I yeah. kind of wonder if there was another plan for that at some huh. point. So, but let's just get back to the goodness of the fact that um, the hockey puck hand link goes on the fritz. Ian says, here's an older model and it's mm -hmm. got the Hanna-Barbera sense. Yes. Got, oh my God. Okay. You know, I said uh, last week that like, um, <laughs> that I didn't really care if they use the old sound effects or not. I lied. I wish they would yeah. use these all the time. It felt very evocative of the yeah. original show and it, I, th I feel like it's been missing a lot of uh, feeling like original yeah. Quantum Leap to me and I, I loved hearing those Hanna-Barbera sound effects. I wish that this was the hand link all the time now. Uh, yeah, very similar to you. I didn't realize how much I missed them until they were there. You know what this was evocative of for me was the difference in the sound effects in Star Trek the original series, which are very uh, bright and um, like high-pitched warbles and, and plings, and it's almost like you're on like a submarine or something, right? Versus the, I can't stand them, sound effects in TNG, which are very just much like, 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 like they're annoying. They're, they're, they're irritating. And I noticed it watching First Contact over and over and over again when they're trying to uh, get the deflector dish off of the front of the Enterprise. And like every sound effect is just this same sort of dull, irritating 
blip. And I feel like the hockey puck handling could be going down that route. It's got a much <laughs> more muted sound palette than mm. than the original handlink does. And yeah. I love the fact that this one, this 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 what are we gonna call this one? Do we have a name? I don't the Pokedex. It looked like a Pokedex <laughs> to me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a better name there. It was it was funny to me because it was super thin. It kind of reminded me of the the first hand link that they had. Right. It was just that translucent piece of plastic where it's like yeah. nothing could possibly be inside this. <laughs> like this could yeah. not possibly be a working piece of tech. Maybe that's why they changed their mind on it. I wouldn't mind if maybe they did like a little bit of a bulked up version of that. Yeah. You know, because it, it felt like a natural progression from the handlinks that we've seen. I mean, I think the gummy bear handlink's always going to be my favorite, but I feel like that felt a little more like an evolution to a new quantum leap versus like, we're just going to be entirely our own thing. Um, and I know the Hanna-Barbera sound effects are, are goofy, um, but that's what I like about it. Like, this show should be allowed to be goofy sometimes. And I, I feel like they're adding some goofy stuff in there, but sometimes it can feel a little forced. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we don't know for definite that the hockey puck is going to come back next week. I mean, maybe that was that's an experiment that worked for five episodes. Maybe that right. hockey puck is gone now. I don't think that's the case. I don't I think, think the that's the case. I wish but, it was. I like yeah. this. I like this one better. I liked that she. It was making the little goofy sound effects, but it didn't feel distracting. Like, it didn't feel like, oh, this is, like, from something completely different, and then they're adding this in, like, as an homage to the original series. Like, it it felt, it made it feel more like Quantum Leap to me. It gave me that nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff, right? Yeah. And I, uh, I'm so relieved, because from all the promo shots that we saw, you didn't really get a good look at this. I'm glad that I was so afraid that it was going to be just some kind of thing where you would jack your cell phone into it, because everybody's now carrying a sophisticated computer in the palm of their hand every day. You know, We don't get our faces out of them. So it would just make perfect sense to have just an applique to put on your cell phone to turn it into a super hand link or something like that. And I'm glad they didn't go with that, because that's too real world. You need a little bit of discipline connect uh for the fantasy of it and uh, i think that that one yeah it could it could have been a little bit more colorful but it wasn't gaudy and like you said allison it wasn't distracting do i believe yeah. that she's seeing anything on that clear piece of plexiglass no but do i believe she's I seeing believe anything she's seen, on yeah. the hockey puck no <laughs> no the hockey, the hockey puck is even more of a stretch but yeah, I mean, uh, I also think that um they did a lot of cool stuff with the hand link in this and i feel like the stuff that there's things that they they were still using from the original shoot uh, as far as hologram stuff um, that I wish that they were still doing more of because they had like simple things like Addison walking through a wall. Like that's yes. just something that that's not a reshoot. That's just something that they did. And it's like the, j just simple things like that to to reinforce the hologram thing. And she's also using being a hologram for the leap. Like she's going to walk in there, make sure what the old man's doing and then come back out like. There is a lovely moment, though, where they obviously just decided to cut costs on one of the hologram effects and the, the paramedic kind of walks around her to get to Naomi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, he just very slightly dodges her. That's very funny. <laughs> Question, do we know if the scene where she's showing Ben how to restart uh, Naomi's heart with the hologram, like that that holographic effect, just follow the trajectory of this arch that the handling puts up, was that from the original pilot do we yes. know or is that part of the reshoot yeah. 
So it seems to me that one thing that they have lost that they need to regain is some of the conventions of the old series using the hand link the way that yeah. we saw it used uh, to, to better effect. Mm. Yeah, I believe they cut a line in there uh, where Addison explains that she used this uh, – precordial thump is that what she called it yeah, yeah something like, she like that she used it to like save someone's life in afghanistan i think she says yeah. that that's how she learned how to do that so that was kind of cool but uh but yeah what you're saying chris like um the the fact that they were using the hologram and the the handling stuff uh to aid the leap I think they they've lost that a little bit in some of the other ones um, because it's a, it's a lot of Addison standing around and doing exposition. I don't know if this is a money saving measure. It feels like they were doing it more in 1989 when it cost so much more and was so much more complicated <laughs> to do these hologram effects. I think that that's also maybe what they were doing that to give the show its own signature, to give the show its 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 own flair, right? And that's why it was worth the money. I hope that now that we've seen it used so effectively in this episode that they sort of do a 180 and kind of re-embrace it. I don't know why they would would ignore it to begin with. I, yeah. But who can say? I mean, we we know that there was a shakeup behind the scenes. We know that different creatives came in like midstream and maybe it's just everything is still just, you know, working itself out. It's been a disaster. <laughs> what a disaster. No, I think like a lot of this has been them scrambling with two different teams doing the switch over, um, trying to figure out what the network wants, what they yeah. want. Uh, it's 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 amazing that they've gotten out what they have. So I think like we should give some credit for that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah there, like there's obviously room for improvement, but I feel like they are improving because they've had like such an uphill battle with some stuff. Yeah, this uh, this feels like what we were seeing in the first couple of episodes as there was a bit of a, a shift towards, okay, well, yeah, what does the network now want versus what was originally planned? Then they started to settle into it and we started to get a confident show. And now we've just seen a bit of an echo of that because of the fact that this is the first episode shifted back and then amplified by the fact that half of it is new material jammed in. So I give a lot of credit for the fact they managed to get this episode out at all. We we shouldn't be too hard on it. Yeah, this is uh, some real uh, effects wizardry, some real uh, uh, impressive editing going on uh, to make this cohesive. And it feels like part of the story now. Like, it doesn't feel like it went backwards. No. And um, maybe to give some credit to the previous team as well, I feel like the way that the first couple episodes turned out really was because there was so much scrambling going on and a lot of different hands in the pot so i don't think it's necessarily their fault either the way that things turned out just a lot of things did not gel together yeah now i know that you have not liked the look of the leap stuff you think that the filters are, are too yellow and <laughs> yeah, too overexposed say, the, how did you feel I about this I didn't notice the pp filter on this one yeah I didn't, if they were getting rid of the pp filter that would be great. I don't know if this has been a stylistic decision <laughs> that they've been doing in other episodes. I don't know if they kind of realized that it was looking weird. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure about the decision for the PP filter because it kind of feels like a bit of laziness or maybe a bit of like they just don't have time to do a lot of intricate color correction. But it just feels like, you know, just put a yellow tint on it. Psh, here's the daytime, whatever. But it's been not looking good. 
Um, but it looked great here. And I don't know if that's because a lot of this had been uh, edited and color corrected already, maybe, and they were working with what they already have. But I hope that this is a trajectory they're going in because um, I thought this episode looked great. Yeah, I was wondering if they just had to match the footage that was already complete. So I mean, I mean, yeah. it's digital. They could have color corrected it differently if they decided that they wanted to make it more warm tones or uh, blue tones if they wanted or whatever. But I feel like also a lot of the leap was at night as well. And the nighttime scenes have not looked as bad as as the daytime. Yeah, that's true. Now, we were talking about sound effects before. And um, one thing I did notice at the very beginning of this leap when he leapt out of uh, the cowboy because they did sort of a last time on quantum leap almost the leap effect sounded or had some of the sounds of the old leap effect which they haven't done either and then when he leapt out of this episode into the priest or i guess it's a priest right um yeah it was the standard leap sound that they've been using since the series started. That blew my mind because when I heard the leap effect, I was like, oh my God, they're they're settling into sort of the old aesthetic again, kind of like with the hand link. And then it's gone. Did you guys notice that? I did not. I feel like I've heard conflicting accounts about people saying they've heard the leap sound effect like subtly in the background of certain stuff. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you offhand if I've noticed it, if they're starting to use it or maybe use it a little more. I know they've been workshopping the sleep out effect. Uh, <laughs> I, I still don't know if it, it really looks great, but if they're using more of the sound effects, even just subtly putting them in more, then, then that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, again, anything that's sort of evocative and I'm going to go with my headcanon that now that Janice is in the system, we're going to get more and more of the older stuff mm -hmm. coming out. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a way they could explain it. Yeah, because They'd of the be handling. Like, uh, because we've gotten a lot of feedback and people want this, so we're going to add this in there. Uh, it's Janice. It's the time stream. It's the imaging chamber. It's gravity. <laughs> gravity. Uh, Why not? <laughs> yeah. Here's a question I had about some of the the handling stuff so uh ben asks where the kid is at one point and addison just checks the handling for the history can she not center in on people can she not say like hey ziggy yeah. center me on jason i i don't know maybe because they had not established a link with him yet like maybe ben has to actually interact with somebody for them to then be able to center in on them and the kid I mean, they've, was they've not missing. had to do this yet, though. No, they haven't. You're right. But I'm just again, I'm trying to headcanon why she didn't ask yeah. to be centered on on Jason. And I think that's uh, maybe because the computer hadn't seen him yet. So they could not uh, or Ziggy could not like fix on him because of that. And what what you're yeah. talking about is deleted scene canon from the original series, technically, because trilogy part two. There's uh, some deleted lines that establish that uh, Al can't be centered in on someone unless Sam has spent significant time uh, huh. with them. That's that's why they uh, they can't center Al in on the boy that's gone missing. Oh, I don't right. know if that was ever filmed. That's just in the script. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I mean, I guess like how did it work in the original series anyway? But it feels like that was a good way of 
again, using the hologram for something on the leap. And I, I would like if they incorporate more stuff with Addison being able to do that. Um, and I feel like they are getting better about it. It's feeling less like she's just standing around in scenes waiting to exposition dump. Yeah. Um, they also, they had a, they had a rare instance in this episode of someone noticing Ben talking to Addison, just something yeah. they haven't really done a lot of. <laughs> like he's just been blatantly talking in front of people. Yeah, no, that's, that's been a significant failing of the series so far. Ben just yeah. talking <laughs> to nobody in the middle of the street. But where was, where was it in this one? Uh, when he's talking to Naomi on the street about which pe- uh, uh, route they need to take. Right, when he's talking about the Bort. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. still being pretty blatant about it, but she does acknowledge it. <laughs> that yeah. This is weird. True. True. It's still not as awkward as the evil leaper when everybody's having a four-way conversation and there are just these giant pauses so that all yes. the dialogue yeah. can get <laughs> Yeah, there's. I mean, yeah, this is very original Quantum Leap. This is the the original recipe right here. Just weird pauses where they don't need to be. Yeah. (laughs) Can I talk about a line that I really like? Um, And I don't know if it's meant to be a little bit meta, but it it helps me a lot. And it's a line I'm going to quote a lot in future. Um, Right at the end, uh, when Ian says... Everyone thinks that something's impossible until somebody comes around and figures out that it isn't. And that is basically the argument that we've been having with fans of the original series. You've been saying like, ah, but this is how it used to work. The, the, new fa- the new producers don't understand it and they've got it all wrong. And like Doctor Who fans the last few years who've been complaining that no, William Hartnell was the first Doctor. You can't turn around and change that. Everything is changeable. Things develop. And that that was a lovely line for me and that just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam couldn't travel into the future. Ben couldn't travel into the future. And now he can because that's what we need for the plot. Okay, well, uh, first of all, I mean, I think there's a difference between things just not making sense or like proving something impossible, like doing one impossible thing before breakfast, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, it irritates me when it's like, we're just going to change things just to change things or things don't have to make sense because it's new. It's like, yeah, okay, but you do need to kind of explain how it got from point A to point B. Yeah. But, but saying that it's, but saying that it's wrong because it's changed, that's what I don't, I don't get. Yeah, but there's certain, there's certain things that kind of bothers me that they've just changed just to be different. And it's like how is this quantum leap at this point with the, with what you've done here? But anyway, that's my own uh, but no, that, irritation. That's, that's fine. And, and saying I, I don't agree with the changes or I don't like it for having changed that or whatever, that's that's fine. That's personal preference. It's, the, it's that view that, well, some rules were set down in 1989 or 1963 or whatever, and therefore those rules can never be changed, even if they're, they're good changes. Um, yeah, oh. thing, things change, and that—that's the argument that—and it's not the argument that you've got. You—you—you're you, having a completely different argument, and it's absolutely fair. Well, I mean, it's—it's it's kind of the same argument I had last week, where I just felt like the old West thing was just not very quantum leap. It just—it took yeah. me out of that quantum leap feel. And if—if if what I'm inferring, Allison, is that the idea of them doing stuff in the future, you're kind of feeling the same way. No, no. Um, it, th- that was a whole different thing. Um, I, I just don't know why it's impossible. <laughs> they're like, they run a time travel project, and they're like, the future—that's yeah. impossible. And I was like, why? No one ever said it was impossible. Like, you, time travel doesn't doesn't just work backwards. Who said that? 
especially if they know it's outside of his lifetime, then then he can go whenever. Because they never really established, could Sam leap to the future if he was still alive during a certain point? Because they never had him leap to the future outside of, you know, the future from when they filmed the show. 1999 was a little ahead, but, you know, um, they never really established, could you leap further ahead? Um but if it, if you but there's kind of an argument it's like what is within their lifetime what is the parameters here that you're doing here but they know that Ben can leap whenever because uh he disabled the security which is another thing it's like okay this is not how the show worked it wasn't a security thing but whatever um so he can leap whenever so they're like how can he leap to the future like why not well i, I guess the rules at the moment are that he can only leap to the past They've just established that. Why do they? But why? I don't know. Who said that? Who said that? At what point? (laughs) Magic. (laughs) And they've had many. (laughs) They've had many lines in the show where they're like, "But that's impossible." Is it? (laughs) Well, all of that aside, what do we think about the idea of future leaps? This is what I've been guessing all along. I think it's something in the future that he's trying to stop. I want to see it as part of the kind of thing that Allison's talking about, but not as a, uh, like, yeah, every three or four weeks he's just going to leap to the 24th century and save some random kid or the 22nd century and save some alien from the planet Zog. Um, I, I like I like the idea of the kind of, oh, yeah, in five years there's going to be an apocalypse and it's got to be resolved and blah, 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 whatever. That I like as a single yeah. crescendo. Um but yeah, not not as somewhere he's actually going to regularly leap to to just to do stuff. I was going to say that it kind of changes how leap work leaps work in that like they don't have any information they can yeah. access unless like I guess Ziggy is trying to pre- like can predict some things, but um they can't they don't have access to records from the future. I was going to say that, but um this show doesn't have them do anything re- revolving around the leap uh, at the project, so I guess it doesn't really change the <laughs> mechanics that much. <laughs> you know, there were two times in this episode, two times where they're like let's focus on the leap and then they don't focus on the leap so like addison's getting some info from ian on the leap and then um and then she's like hang on i gotta get out of here because i gotta talk about leaper x stuff so she's gotta leave to do that and then jen says at one point she's like we need to stop focusing on the future and focus on the past with ben and then they proceed to once again uh not discuss the leap at all so i'm like what what are you focusing on <laughs> stop talking about it That was a cute line, though. (laughs) I can't tie my brain in pretzels about what's going to happen in the future. We need to focus on the present and get back to Ben and Addison in the past. Our lives are so insane. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, but why do they always just have one line and they're never doing anything? That's what you're... That's the thing. Like, if it felt less like separate shows... Uh, then I would be less irritated with what they're doing because I do think they're doing a lot of good character stuff. Um, It's just in the service of something that's completely unrelated yeah yeah no i hear you and i think i I, you know i my my biggest hope is that they keep all of the neat time travel and the back of the project stuff i like but integrate it in a way where they're also discussing the leap at hand and i know you've been saying that since day one allison yeah but (laughs) but i think i've just i've liked more back at the project so it doesn't bother me as much um, but I can understand why it's driving you absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. See, <laughs> I, the thing is, I'm just not interested in scenes where people are sitting at a giant table and the camera keeps sweeping and they do exposition and they say things like mind cuss. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> 
it's it's just stupid and it's boring and try hard and I'm just not into it personally. <laughs> but what about try hard too? Try harder. <laughs> try hard. Try hard with a vengeance. Yeah. No. Um. No, it's embarrassing. It's cringy to me. When they said cuss twice now in place of yeah. an actual cuss word, and I'm like, you guys are grown adults. You're adults. You don't have to be doing this stuff. <laughs> they do for standards and practices. Cussity cuss. I don't know. Cuss. I don't know what I want from the lead, from the project. I mean, I know what I want in terms of the focus, but I mean, I don't know what I really want. I like that they're incorporating some quirky stuff. That like this is something no professional uh, government. Uh, chapter or whatever would be doing like you know like you wouldn't be playing with action figures and um talking about leaper x or whatever and uh so there's some stuff i'm glad like they're incorporating in there but it's just um yeah it's just irritating i'm repeating myself no it's fine so i liked that they discussed when they're talking about uh ben's backstory with his mom that's why he became obsessed with physics and time travel, and that's why he wanted to join the Quantum Leap program. So that was his motivation to get interested in time travel. Right. He said you can draw a direct line yeah. from there to so here. I thought, like, it, yeah, it was great to just get a bit of story. I mean, it may or may not have to do with why he leaped back. I don't think it was, but um, you know, it at least showed this is why... He, in particular, volunteered for this program. It wasn't like he was recruited because he was Mr. Smarty Pants. Like, he's like, I want to mm. get involved with this. He's schmatty schmat schmat. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was a nice touch. Um, again, it's not something we haven't seen, but it was just so in the moment with with such emotion. Uh, again, just Chris. Cue, cue Chris. <laughs> Uh, he's yeah i i like the parallels here with sam but they're they are different characters so they have like both of them are are geniuses that are kind of suffering because of their genius you know this this weight on their shoulders they talk about um when when ben uh immigrated to the united states his mom did that to give him more opportunities and was pushing him, you know, because he was so special, like to really fulfill his potential. And he just wanted to be this normal kid. Mm. So he like purposefully made sure that he got B's on his report card. The fact that it was such a dumb fight over getting B's on a report card. And then she died. It was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) the heartbreak. I thought that was just really great. And, And that also turned it from, you know, you could say that the story is kind of cliche, you know, you have the fight with the parent and then they die. But I feel like there were a lot of touches in there that felt very specific to Ben to this show and and really made you, you know, it just pulled at my heartstrings. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, um, it's something I had used in, in my story and I think they did it far better here. <laughs> we'll see uh, the time will tell on that when we get to my book in 17 years but uh mm-hmm. i also like too this kind of establishes a little bit about ben as a kid uh not a wholesome farm boy kind of a kind of a city boy with an attitude yeah yeah he doesn't believe mom apple pie on the fourth of july <laughs> also <laughs> it, it, uh, it's <laughs> I also like that he plays Nintendo. It's specified in the script he's playing yes. Nintendo, so that's yeah. pretty cool. That was also what triggered the memory in the original pilot was he sees a Nintendo in Jason's room. There's a scene in Jason's room, and uh, and then he's like, hey, wait a minute, and he remembers playing the Nintendo and his mom cooking or whatever. Oh, okay. All right. So 
Yeah. I mean, I think all that stuff was peppered in just right. I, I loved it. And um, I hope that this is something that we get more of. I mean, if if Ben is remembering stuff, maybe we get some flashbacks in the moment instead of them just talking about it. And I know that that's, that's more expensive and more labor intensive, especially if you have to cast a younger person to play Ben or, or whatever. But it gave it such an air of authenticity where I don't know if I would have felt as bad or been as emotionally affected had I not seen just those, those tiny little scenes. What's, it's got to be, what, a t- some total of 20 seconds, maybe? Mm. Yeah. You know, but it just, it, it, it just, just brings everything up. I really like that it broadened his character outside of his relationship to Addison yeah. as well. Like it just it made him feel more rounded. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's why I say if we can get more of that, I think it yeah. only serve the show better. Do you have anything else, Alice? Uh Yeah, one last thing. Uh, I am stoked for Halloween. And I, yeah, I noticed we'd talk about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so they leap out into the Halloween episode already. They released some promo photos. I'm already sold on this anyway. Basically, I was sold once I heard they were going to do a Halloween episode on Halloween. <laughs> but everything mm-hmm. they released, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> Give it to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Um, and then they, um, he leaps in and he's they're doing the exorcist. He's in the priest outfit. And then he um, he looks around. There's people in these like Halloween costumes and they do this spooky little twinkly scary track. And then um, he goes in the house, <laughs> and then they do a boogeyman callback. Yes, yeah. with the, they had the like six six nine six, six, numbers, nine. Uh-huh. and the door shuts, and the nine turns exactly like in the boogeyman. And I like that that was an homage there without being so direct mm-hmm. with everything in it. I don't know what else is going to be in the episode, obviously, but I liked that little callback. And uh, and I like when when they go to credits, it does a little like like little Halloween decoration yeah. laugh or something. Like it was so corny, but I loved it. It was so good. Uh, yeah, way to way to pull me in even further. I can't I can't believe I have to wait a week to uh. see that one. <laughs> Well, that sounds like we're circling into some final thoughts since we're on the leap out. Um, Allison, do you want to go first? All right. Final thoughts. Uh, Yeah, I love the leap on this one. I feel like they did a really great job integrating it into the storyline. Now, there was lots of great tidbits in it. I still don't like the project stuff, but I do feel like they had some good character moments. How about you, Matt? Uh, Yeah, technically an impressive feat for them to uh to to pull this off at all loved the project stuff this week um i i found the leap stuff uh good but there there's been there's been better leap stuff in the last few weeks um so yeah i i was generally really happy with this one pleasantly surprised and i'm going to mirror that i loved everything about it, especially uh, the back of the project stuff. But I felt that the leap stuff was as cinematic as we've gotten on the show and mm-hmm. as high budget as we've gotten on the show. It felt almost like a feature film. And mm-hmm. um, that's a trend that's continuing from the uh, the Salvation episode. A lot of big open spaces, a lot of grand sweeping cinematography. And I hope that the show is able to do that more. I know they had a lot more money because this was the pilot and it was a prestige project and they were really pouring money mm-hmm. into to it but it really showed and the fact that they were able to use or reuse 
all of this footage in such an effective way to make, as I said at the top, what I think is the best episode of Quantum Leap since Mirror Image uh, gives me hope. I hope that now that they have this out of the way and that the the, the behind-the-scenes crew are sort of firing on all thrusters, that we get more of a, of a steady mix like we had in this one. I felt this one was so well-balanced, and this is what I want to see from the show going forward. So... I think that that closes the book on our discussion of what a disaster, but stay tuned because after the break, we will be bringing you our interview with Everett Anders. On the latest episode of Leaps Elsewhere, we discuss something that I thought would be cute and heartwarming, but which turns out to be worse than the landlady. It's uh, the trial of old drum. <laughs> the trial of old drum. <laughs> Based on a true story of uh, a trial involving a dog and a farmer and some sheep. Uh, they think that the dog's killing the sheep. And uh, Scott Bakula shows up in the last 30 minutes as a southern lawyer um, with a terrible <laughs> haircut. I quite liked it. For a movie that is celebrating a gentler time gone by, there were a lot of total stone-cold dicks in this, and a lot of just, like, casual murder. What do you have against nice things, Chris? <laughs> Where is the joy in your soul? Why do you hate joy? They put the dog in prison! He's in a jail cell! It's so good! The twist is that the trial doesn't start until the end credits. That's the weird part! <laughs> To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. That's patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The movie got dumber. It got dumber <laughs> the second time around. Ah, they, should have, they should have demanded dogs in the jury. That would have made the film a lot more fun. All right, everyone, we're back. And as promised, here is our interview with Everett Enders. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Serenity, and here today we have Everett Andres. Hello, Everett. Hi. It's great to be here. So, you were in the episode, What a Disaster? And you played Jason Harvey. Yes. What was it like working on Quantum Leap? Yeah, it was pretty interesting because it was the very first episode filmed even though it didn't end up being the pilot. It was the very first episode filmed in Vancouver. So I kind of got to see all the actors getting to know each other and kind of formulating their characters. And that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, everyone was super nice. Um, Raymond, Caitlin, Deborah Pratt, Helen Shavers, all the writers, they were really nice and all super excited because... I mean, I think everyone was big fans of the original show, too. So everyone was just really excited about this project. Yeah. What was it like working with the cast and crew? They were all super nice. Raymond is very skilled. He's a great physical actor. He's he, I think he has a background in clowning, he told me. So that was really awesome. And I think it was Caitlin's first ever um First ever job. I think she was in the military before. So it was really interesting to meet her, and she's a great actor. I heard that you are a gymnast. I am, yes. I train 25 hours a week at Vancouver Phoenix Gymnastics. I do all six events, um, floor, pommel horse, rings, vault, P-bars, and high bar. And I 
I love gymnastics. I like all sports. How did you get the part? So I did the first audition. I think it was about three scenes. And then maybe I didn't hear anything for a while. I think a couple of weeks later, I'm not sure how long it was. Um, I got a Zoom call back and I had very little prep time. And I think it was like the next day and everyone was on the call, the writers, the director, the producers. And Helen was really encouraging, and she, but she made me work for it. It was, uh, she challenged me a little bit, but I think she really liked me. And um, at the end, the main, <laughs> main thing that she wanted me to do was to stop growing. And she told my mom to stop feeding me. <laughs> That's actually um, really funny. How did you get into acting? My brother has been an actor for a long time, way before me. And I went along with him to audition sometimes. And here and there, I actually booked a couple like very small things. And I really enjoyed being on set, but I wasn't too much of a fan of the audition process. And then COVID hit and we started doing self-tape auditions. And that's when I told my mom I really wanted to do acting. I enjoy self-tapes a lot more than in-person auditions. I think I can bring more to the table there. And I actually started booking a lot more and bigger roles. And yeah. Do you have any upcoming projects in the future? I do. I just filmed a Christmas Hallmark movie called The Holiday Sitter. Which character did you play? My character name is Miles, and it comes out December the 11th. Hmm. What was your favorite scene to film? Um, that's a good question. I think my favorite scene was probably when I got to walk through Addison as a hologram. That was pretty interesting. It was the first time they ever did that. So I filmed it where I just walked through and she wasn't even there. And then they had her and me go around and it was a little challenging, a little tricky because it was their first time ever doing it. There was a couple of problems, but it was really fun yeah, and really interesting. And I also really liked the stunts because I got to run out of an earthquake and they had real like stuff going off and stuff falling. It was really cool. What was it like pulling the beam off of Raymond Lee? Um, so the beam was actually not heavy at all. I think it was made of foam or something. So I had to mime that I was lifting really hard and it was like super light. So, yeah. It's like you had to act like it was like so heavy, though it wasn't at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you part of any of the reshoots for the episode? I was not, no. What was your favorite role that you've ever done? I don't know if I can pick. I mean, I enjoy all of them. Um, maybe maybe Lost Ollie. I did a project a little while ago with Peter Ramsey, and it's out on Netflix now. And it was really cool because it was like a live action blend with um, with some animation and puppets and also live action. So that was really interesting. And obviously, Quantum Leap, it was also really fun. <laughs> um, speaking of Lost Dolly, how is it, um, how is it working with Jonathan Groff? So I didn't actually get to 
work with him in person, but I'm a big fan and I watched Hamilton. I thought he was really great in that. Yeah, I love Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, me too. What was it like working with Jewel State? Yeah, she was super nice. She's a great actor. Um, I think we only had one scene together, so I didn't really get to know her all that well, but she was very nice. Um, did you have a stunt double for any of the earthquake scenes? I did have one stunt double, but he I think he was only used once because I I timed out. I couldn't work anymore. I pumpkin, so um they used him for the running down the hallway scene mm. when we're running out of the building. But I did all the rest. Wow. What was the set like? It was incredible. It was super, super dusty and it really felt like I was in a um a building that that is was collapsing. It was crazy how how real it was. And it was um they built it in an old mental hospital in I don't I forget what it's called, but it was kinda it was a bit spooky. <laughs> yeah. How was it like doing that emotional scene with Raymond? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it such deep emotional scenes are really fun to do. You have to be you have to really get into it before though. So I had to be breathing heavy and really thinking about my character and the suffering that he's going through and what's going on with his family and everything. Yeah. How is it like working with the director? She was amazing. She's like incredibly incredibly nice and she's very talented and she's a bit of a Canadian icon do you have any stories from the production I do have one thing um when we were at the haunted mental hospital um Caitlin was a little afraid to go to the bathroom by herself so I went with her <laughs> <laughs> so we went, we took a trip to the bathroom together because she was scared to go by herself. It's funny. What's it like being a guest star on a pilot? Yeah, so every, the mood was, it was, everyone was very excited. Every, everyone seemed really invested in the project and it was just super positive energy everyone was in a great move and bringing bringing their all yeah what was interacting with deborah pratt like she was very very nice she um she gave me lots of compliments and um yeah she she was she was just she was the best yeah <laughs> When you first found out that you got the role, did you know anything about the original series? I did not know. Um, I watched a couple of clips before the audition to kind of get to know it, but I hadn't watched the original series before the audition. Yeah. What is your favorite memory of just being on Quantum Leap? I think, I think it was the time with people and Raymond and getting to know all the all all the characters and and all the people 
just everyone was very nice and had interesting lives and just overall great people everywhere. Yeah. Are you from Canada or did you have to travel to get there? No, I am from Vancouver, BC. Yeah. Wow. Are you excited to watch it when it airs? Yes, I can't wait. I'm very excited. Were you disappointed that it wasn't the original pilot and you had to wait until episode six? Maybe a little bit, but but we've been watching the series as it's going and I'm really enjoying it. So hopefully since it's the pilot, a lot of work went into it. So it'll be a great episode. On the new series, what is your favorite episode that has come out so far? Mm, that's a tough one. They're all so great. Yeah. Um, probably probably the, the space one. That was really cool, yeah. how they were floating around. I wonder how they filmed that. Did you get to meet any of the actors from Project Quantum Leap? Yes. Obviously, I got to meet uh, Raymond and Caitlin and uh, Ernie popped his head in a couple of times along with um, Mason into the green room because they were doing um, they were doing some photos, test photos, I think. But yeah, I mainly got to know Raymond and Caitlin. Yeah. Would you say it was an overall positive experience? For sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, Everything was amazing. People were amazing. Experience was amazing. And it's definitely, definitely something I'll remember. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Hallmark movie? Yeah. So it's the first gay Hallmark movie, Hallmark Christmas movie. And I play the nephew of the lead and he, the lead takes care of me because my parents are away and um, falls in love. Hmm, Wow. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm definitely going to be watching What a Disaster on Monday night. (laughs) So am I. Thank you so much, Everett, for being on the Quantum Leap Podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. (laughs) Serenity Burge in the house. Everett Anders in the house. (laughs) A couple of pros. Lovely. So nice. And Everett was so good in this episode. I know that, yes. um, you know, he didn't come in, yeah. in, in until the end, but he, again, the, the scenes between um, him and Ray, I thought were some of the best in the episode. Yeah. And it also, it's another thing that gave it the episode sort of that classic quantum leap feel, because I mm. think this is like, I, again, I don't know if it was just the dynamic of this episode, but I really felt like they were connecting as father and son and that Ben really cared yeah. about the fate. It wasn't just perfunctory. I have to save him to leap. Um, it, it's yeah. like he, he kind of, he, he felt the stakes and I felt yeah. like there was a real dynamic, a real chemistry between the two of them. So yeah, terrific. Yeah. I, I was glad. I, I know he was uh, a little bit shy about doing an interview. So I'm glad that he, uh, he did it. Um, he was a, he's a, an accomplished gymnast. 
as well. Yeah. yeah. So that was really cool. I wish he he could have like thrown some in here, right? Like while they're yeah. running away <laughs> from, the, from the like building, and then he does like a few flips or something, like woo. <laughs> like, you know, maybe he did. Cool. <laughs> he's like he goes in to save Ben, and he's like, hang on, whoop, and then like you know grabs onto the bar, and then you know. I was thinking uh, when the uh, beam fell from the ceiling, he could have just done a standing backflip. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he throws some Jim Cotta in there. <laughs> so, yeah, great job, Everett. We really enjoyed yeah. you on the show, and we're so happy that you agreed yeah. to uh, come on our show. So, um, everybody, give it up. Woo! Good Yay. job, one and all. And keep clapping, keep clapping, because Woo! I have new patrons to announce. This is insane. <gasps> New patrons? Uh, what? More new, than one? New Is there two, Chris? Not only are there two, Matt, but in addition to two, there's one other. There are three. <laughs> three. Three patrons. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. So let's give it up for Mr. James Gould. James joins Yay. us at the $5 Leaper level. And I do believe that James is our first supporter from New Zealand. Whoa, I could got a kiwi. About that, but Woo. we got a kiwi. Kiwi. We're loving it. Fabulous. Thank you, James, for your support. Um, We have another Leaper supporter, William DeBolt. William, welcome to our Patreon community. The William of Bolt? The William of Bolt, yes. (laughs) So, uh, William, again, is a $5 Leaper. And while we were actually recording this episode... We got another patron just came in, like literally as we were talking. So I'm glad that she popped up now. Her name is Anna, and she is also pledging at the $5 Leaper level. So thank you, James. Thank you, William. Thank you, Anna. At that $5 Leaper level, you you will get access to all of the bonus material that we have on the Patreon feed. There's something like 25 hours worth of shows over there as well. You're all part of the Quantum Leap Podcast Book Club, and you will be receiving your Quantum Leap podcast book club bookmark in the mail uh in addition you will get um access to all the newsletters and everything that i put on the patreon feed so thank you one and all for all of your support thanks guys yeah. we can't even finish a recording before it's like they're coming in they're like take our money it's like <laughs> 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 so. give me that bookmark <laughs> it's a good bookmark it yeah, is a good it's great. bookmark. I talk up that bookmark every episode. I have to think that that has something to do with it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I don't want to slag off other bookmarks, but <laughs> it may be the best bookmark <laughs> ever made. Ever made. What do you mean, maybe? Not one for hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of patrons, uh, we did get some feedback from one of our longtime producer patrons, Mr. Charles Allen Gossard. And speaking of bonus bonus content over on the Patreon, um, you can listen to Charles and I do an interview. Charles was one of my first subjects for the Oh Boy feature that we have over there where I interview patrons uh, about their Quantum Leap fandom. So Charles and I are in pretty constant contact and he's always great because if you guys remember, Charles was the uh, Civil War reenactor and he had a lot Mm -hmm. to say about the costuming in Leap Between the States. What a cool hobby. Right? Yeah. Not even a hobby, a lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) So Charles sent me this message uh, when he saw that Salvation or Bust was coming down the pike. I'll begin. He writes, the next episode takes place in the American West of the 1890s. Now Ben can leap to any time he is needed. This is my old stomping ground as a Civil War reenactor, the 19th century. 
a true 19th century episode next week, unlike The Last Gunfighter. This next episode really interests me. One is to do with the costumes. They have to be true to the period. This new Old West episode has to get right some of the bright, vibrant colours that people of that time wore, according to newspaper articles of the period. And I would love to see Addison in a Stetson, long dust jacket, and a gun holstered on each hip. Oh man, oh. that would have been great, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> I want to see Addison in a dust jacket. Yeah. <laughs> she's got such a big jacket collection, she's got to have one. Yeah. It would, be, it would be a tan duster, right? Because Addison likes the tan jacket. Oh, she's got to do mm. the beige. Yeah, well, the vibrant colors of the period. Get with it, Addison. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see her, you know, like taking the, the barrel of her pistol and poking the brim of her hat up. Like, she would own that. If she had like a long, bright purple duster on, <laughs> no, <laughs> with like a matching hat, would you go? Would you? Would you settle for red? Maybe like a Carmen Sandiego? No, it'd <laughs> <laughs> be amazing. So yeah, I'm happy that Charles uh, brought this up because I was thinking about him when I was watching the episode. And Charles, if you're listening, I would really love you to weigh in on what you thought of the Salvation or Bust because I thought everything was too bright and clean. But yeah, I was surprised. I didn't I know? know they had such vibrant colors at the time. I do agree it was too clean, but as far as the colors, I mean, because dyes cost money, but maybe they were a little bit, you know, the easier access at the time. I don't know. I don't know the history of dyes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll put a pin in that question, and I'm sure Charles will give us chapter and verse because it is yeah, his let specialty. Us know, Charles, he's probably yeah. going to tell us about the thread count and if the buttons were accurate and and all that good <laughs> Dude. stuff. So. Dude, we need to like there was not enough sweat stains. <laughs> <laughs> so looking forward to hearing what he has to say about that. I know we're going to get a good informed response. So if you would like to be like Charles Allen Gossard, there are many ways that you can reach us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can drop us a line at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can phone us at 707 847 6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at quantumleappod. And you can also comment on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. And of course, you can always go that extra mile. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. Just remember, we may use your response in an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And, you know, speaking of that YouTube channel, um, I'll be still going strong with the after show, right? Cool. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So while there, you'll be able to see the video of our interview with Everett Anders, who played Jason in the episode, who Serenity talked to. You'll get to see Serenity too. So that's a nice thing. And while there, you can also see a video of an interview I did with Marquise Wilson, who appeared as Henry in that cowboy episode cool guy um and i had a great chat with him so go on over there again that's youtube.com slash the quantum leap podcast and allison allison are you are you ready alice <laughs> i'm ready <laughs> it's the most wonderful time yeah. of the year so why don't you tell us what's coming up next spooky girl it's Halloween, baby. <laughs> yeah. We're doing episode seven. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith.
Father Davenport, thank God. I'm afraid it's gotten worse. Please, come in. Ben leaps into a priest who has been called to assist a family in crisis on Halloween night. As he delves into mysterious and inexplicable events, he's forced to muster all of his resources as a scientist before time runs out. Exorcist! 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 Yeah! He's gonna perform an exorcism as a scientist? A like scientific exorcism. Scientific, yeah. Oh, man, I am loving the look of the yeah. promo pictures that we're getting for this yes. episode. I mean, Ooh, I love the, the feel of the leap in. Uh, this, to lighting. me, feels like it's going to be more of a period piece. Like, a, like a, it looked like it could be in the 30s, just depending I on... I believe the 30s is when it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. okay. that's going to be so cool. Amazing. I can't wait. Wow. Spooky dookie. Oh, yay. <laughs> so, oh, and I can't wait to talk to Allison about it. I hope that it passes muster. Uh, I guess we'll find out. So until that time, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time. Ah, 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 ah. ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh at the end kills me. <laughs> you sound like Diaper Monkey. Ah, oh, it's the ghost of Diaper Monkey! We figured it out! Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Joshua Burwald, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production.